Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, and welcome to another Get Genius episode. I think you'll find today's episode very intriguing and hopefully will answer a lot of questions for you when it comes to Facebook marketing. If you're in the expert space or follow any top leaders in the industry like Tony Robbins, Robin Sharma, Joe Polish, etc., chances are you have seen and probably clicked on my guest's ads on Facebook. His name is Nicholas Kuzmich and he is the founder of nicholaskuzmich.com, the Accelerator Alliance, and the creator of the Rapid Scaling Matrix, which we will get into all of those and how they can help you. So the way I see it, there are people who are really good at Facebook marketing and people who just aren't. In fact, I have a friend who came out with this incredible product, really, really solid, good course. And all of his sales currently have come from word of mouth SEO because he tried the Facebook scene at his first attempt, figured out it was too hard and just totally bailed. Nicholas, on the other hand, is known as the Facebook ninja because he is the only one that can take the claim to having the hardest ROIs in the space. So welcome, Nicholas, and thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you. So before we get into all the really juicy, good stuff, how did you end up in, in this space and being the Facebook ninja of the planet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure even how that title started, but it was it was kind of almost by accident. Um, I mean, I had come into the online marketing space for as long as I could remember, and I just failed miserably every attempt to try and sell anything on the internet. You know, I came to the point where I was really looking for uh, something that I could advertise on, a true traffic platform that would allow me to reach my audience faster and more efficiently than anything else. And uh, at that time, the real 800-pound gorilla in the room was Google. Yeah. Uh, Now, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how to see this, but I was kind of too late to that game. I mean, they've been around forever. They were charging tons. Uh, By that time, one of the famous Google slaps had happened, and everyone was freaking out, and businesses were getting wiped out. So, you know, just from my third-party perspective, I was like, oh, I kind of don't want to play in that space. It looks a little scary. So... I really was just kind of keeping my eye to the to the horizon and seeing, well, what could I find? And really, at that time, I just had two choices, oddly enough. One, Facebook had just released their beta version of advertising. And secondly, there was a company <laughs> called plentyoffish.com. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, the dating company. I do. Um, but the funny thing was, because they had captured all of this data from its users, um, age, you know, gender, what they likes, dislikes, all this kind of thing. They actually built out a pretty robust advertising platform. So I had jumped into both and then very quickly, um, you know, Facebook was on the climb and plenty of fish wasn't. So I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Let's kind of go double in on this and, and make this our, our baby. And again, I guess it was just like right place, right time, but it paid off for us, uh, now a couple of years later. Wow. So it seems like a lot of people, when they start or try to do Facebook ads, they're, the main thing that they're thinking about is the content of the ad, the ad itself. Right. Is that the right way to go about it? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the kind of illusion that a lot of people have towards, I mean, even I kind of almost sometimes cringe when I hear the word internet marketing, which is now like Facebook marketing or whatever. 
I mean, to me, there's no such thing as internet marketing. There's marketing, and one of the mediums that you could use is the internet. Um, there's marketing, and one of the mediums you could use is, you know, television or commercials or whatever it be. So um, the problem that most people I find having when they approach Facebook as a platform or to do marketing on, on Facebook is their initial kind of go-to thing is think tactically. It's like, what are the technicalities that I need to learn about this? And usually most people start with the ad when really and truly whenever we design a campaign for anybody, whether that's a consulting client or a done-for-you client, the ad is actually the very last thing on the whole like totem pole of importance. It's the very last thing we come to. We, we tackle a whole bunch of things first before we even think about writing the ad. Interesting. That is so interesting. So can you tell us more about that? What is it? What are the things that you're tackling before that? Yeah, great question. So, you know, whenever we teach this stuff or whenever we're consulting or whatever, for that matter, um, I believe that, and keep in mind, Facebook advertising, the only reason we play in this space is because we believe that Facebook is the most powerful advertising platform on the planet right now. Now, could that change 10 years from now? Yeah. Um, could it not? Maybe. But what we're really looking at is a larger game of online lead generation. And we just happen to use Facebook as the platform where we execute this right now. Um, so when we think online lead generation, we, I, I consider it like a journey. And if I were to define the journey, I think it would have four kind of steps to it. It's, it's find, attract, capture, and then convert. I believe this is what everyone needs to go through when they're thinking about how am I going to generate leads online? You got to find your ideal prospects. You got to um, attract them into your kind of ecosystem, if you will. Yes. You've got to capture them as a lead. And then once you've captured them, you have to then convert them to a, a client. So going from prospect to customer or client. Now, in order for you to do that, we've built what we call the 4M system. And we layer that kind of right on top of things. So it's message, mag, uh, market, magnet, and mechanism. So message, market, magnet, mechanism. And you, we layer the 4Ms on top of, of the journey, if you will. So you, you start with your message, you find your market, you attract with your magnet, and then you convert with the mechanism. And we could dive deeper into any one of, of those 4Ms if you want to, but essentially the ad section, if you will, is kind of like one small portion of the mechanism, which if you're starting to follow this like timeline here, is kind of the end of the timeline. We really want to start with the beginning and make sure all of the assets are in place to ensure that the whole thing is going to work properly. Okay. So just so we can kind of like follow what that would look like, could you give us an example of an expert you've worked with and how that funnel was created, what that looked like? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just kind of look at it in general. I believe that there's very few kind of original ideas anymore. And there's kind of a whole bunch of, uh, pardon the term summer, but there's like a whole bunch of like marketing incest going on right yes. now. It's just <laughs> like, I read this here, let's apply this here. Let's just steal this from that person and kind of go at it. Right. The, the reality is in today's day and age, it is an ultra busy and noisy marketplace. Um, everybody to with a difference of maybe 10% is saying the same thing that the person beside them is saying. So we believe that the first way you can stand out from everybody else in your marketplace is to get very clear about what your message is. Yes. Um, and that's the first M. It's, and, and I believe the message is really comprised of, of two core components. Your what, which is actually the content in and of itself. Yes. And your why. Uh, but not so much, I mean, what, what became popular in the past 
is, I'm sure you're familiar with like Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Of course, yes. There's been this big movement that said, you know, when when you're talking about your message, you really want to start with why. You want to talk about why you do what you do. And I think that there's some truth to that. But in all of our analysis and looking at the marketplace, I think there's an even more powerful why. And it's not why you do what you do, because I believe that most people who even engage with me don't actually care about why I do what I do. What they do care about, though, or the more important why, is why they do what they do. Right. And the most powerful intersection of a message, I believe, is when your why or your what cross-sections with their why. Um, An example I like to give all the time is, well, why does somebody buy a Ferrari? Do they buy it because they're looking for a vehicle to take them to the grocery store? The answer is clearly not. Someone will buy that vehicle because of an internal thing going on, whether it's self-esteem or whether it's pride or whether it's assurance or they just want people to take notice of them or whatever. But clearly, the person buying that vehicle has an internal why. And the more that Ferrari can communicate to them about their why, rather than, hey, for every Ferrari you buy, we donate a portion to a, a worthwhile cause. That's not why people buy that vehicle. So I believe as entrepreneurs, we are really in the feelings or experience business, not the product business. And if you can get really kind of clear about what your ideal prospect's why is, and then clearly articulate and communicate that through your narratives, well, then you're going to start to stand out, uh, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of your competition, who's basically making the same promises that everybody else is. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of the message section, if you will. And of course, we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about what and that sort of thing. But moving on then to your market, uh, you know, the second M, I believe that, you know, the vast majority of your success doesn't really come from the offering that you make available, but it comes from you clearly understanding who your ideal prospect or, or client is. For example, everyone knows, you know, uh, I believe it's, it's Pareto's principle or, or Pareto, the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule. Uh, Yeah, essentially, and this applies to everything. And when people talk about it from a marketing standpoint, they're essentially saying, well, you know what? If you were to look out in your population, identify who your 20% is. And so years ago, this idea of like ideal customer avatar and these kind of concepts have come up. You know, who is it that you're trying to reach? What age are they? You know, that sort of demographic. I take it a step further and I say, well, I believe you can either be a big fish in a small pond or you could be a small fish in a big pond. And when I ask this, if I'm like, let's say, speaking on stage and, and asking for people's feedback, it's funny. You get like half the people say, I'd be a big fish in a small pond. You have the other half saying, well, I'd be a small fish in a big pond with the thought that if I'm a small fish in a big pond, I have all sorts of like uh, unlimited scaling capabilities to reach all these people. But my argument is this. I would much rather be the big fish in the small pond because I believe what really drives business What really drives marketing and sales is the position that you hold in your marketplace. They did this, and I I just this came to mind not too long ago. Uh, Who's the author of the Harry Potter series again? J.K. Rowling. Yes. Yeah. So, so they did this really incredible test where um, J.K. Rowling wrote a book under a pen name and released it to the public. No, it was a pen name. They didn't know she was associated with it. Um, and released it to the public. And, and I mean, it did okay. It did some dismal sales, but, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. And then they pulled the book off the market and they re-released it with her name on. Now, 
What do you think happened to the book oh, sets? Oh, it blew up. Of course. Now, it had nothing to do with the content, which yes. astonishes me. It had nothing to do with the content. It had everything to do with the person behind the content. And so my belief is that sales and marketing is driven not by what you're actually making available to the marketplace, although that is very important. Uh, but let's face it. The best hamburger in town is not McDonald's, yet they, they move the most amount of burgers. Right. Um, the best drink in the world is not Coca-Cola, yet they are, you know, they move the, the most amount of soda. Um, why? Not because of great products, but because of great marketing and the position they hold in their marketplace. So my argument then goes, when we're talking about your market, there's really two questions to ask. The question that everybody's asking is, well, who is your market? And I think everybody kind of knows their answer to that question. I believe the more important question that's not being asked is who are you to that market? And the higher you can elevate your space in that market. So my thing is rather than the 80-20 rule, Pareto's rule, I say go with the Nicholas Kuzmich rule, which is the 96-4 principle. <laughs> it's who is the 20% of your 20%? In other words, the 4% of the general populace, who are they and who are you to them? And the, the, the bigger the fish you could be in that small 4% pond with really understanding what motivates them, what moves them, what are their, their pain points, what are their aspirations and their desires, um, the more you can understand that about them and the more you can establish yourself as an authority in that space, the better off you're going to be. Does that all kind of make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, of course, I think the question for a lot of people are going to be, well, how do I position myself yeah. to be yeah. that fish? Yeah, that's a great question. Do you want to, should we dive into that a little bit? Let's, let's dive in. I, I believe there's like a handful of ways that, that you could do that. How can you elevate yourself up the kind of authority ladder in any particular space? One of the ways I think is through association. Uh, a, a great example of someone who did that was Oprah Winfrey. I mean, when she came on the, on, on, in, into the market, if you will, nobody kind of knew who she was. Uh, sure, she was a lady with a story and a fantastic story at that. But she really had no cred factor. So what did she do? She started interviewing the most well-known celebrities and people on the planet. Now, automatically, by means of association with those people, her level of, of rank, if you will, in the broadcast space or the authority space immediately rose right up. Yeah. So no matter what space you're in, I think one of the easiest things you can do is begin to associate yourself with people who already have influence in that space. And you could buy association by joining certain groups. You could earn association. You could, um, you know, get, get on interviews. You could be interviewed. I mean, there's just so many different things you could do. But the idea is uh, find out who are some of the top influences in your space and just start to get connected with them. Build some relationships and then be public about that. And the more people see that, the more you will kind of raise up or, or rank up in the, in the association. The second thing I think someone can do is what I would call affiliations. Uh, so by that, I mean, a, a simple example of that would be I could either, you know, write for my own blog, let's say, which I mean, uh, I think has, you know, some kind of reach, but I could do that. Or I could be a published writer for Entrepreneur Magazine and Inc. Magazine. Now, as much as I know you love me, Summer, and you think that I'm great, I mean, which platform do you think carries a little more weight? Like Entrepreneur Magazine or NicholasKuzmich.com? Inc. all the way. Yeah. So the reality is, if I could start to be affiliated with certain publications or with certain organizations that kind of already 
have a lot of clout in the industry, and I can start putting things behind my name as a result of those affiliations, automatically I'm going to start to rise up of the ranks in my space. Uh, A third way to do it, three or four ways, we'll talk about four ways. I think a third way to do that, and I don't think this applies to everybody, but a third way to do this um, is there's this weird kind of perception in the world, I guess, I mean, in the marketplace, that higher price means higher value. Um, so when I go out and maybe I'm speaking to a woman and we're talking about jewelry, there's something about the turquoise box that has a little more appeal than the general jeweler down the street. Absolutely. Now, is their quality any better? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a jeweler. I, I wouldn't know. I, I might argue probably not, but um, there's this perception that all, if you think about it, all luxury brands, part of the reason why they're quote unquote luxurious is because of their price point. So I realized that companies who had the capability, again, this doesn't apply to everybody, but companies who have the capability to raise their pricing automatically go up on the ladder of authority in their space by virtue of nothing more than being expensive. Um, so that's the, you know, a third option. And the fourth option, I like to say, is kind of like epic content on epic platforms. So if you have like a very unique perspective on it, something, or you just have something that's so revolutionary, uh, just a great piece of content that can really move the needle for the prospects in your marketplace, and you can get that content published on epic platforms, i.e. the Inc. magazine or success if you're in the business field or you know, whatever would be kind of a, a, an epic platform, if you can get on the Oprah show or the Dr. Phil show or whatever, if you can produce great content on great platforms that will automatically escalate your space um, or your positioning in your marketplace, which is going to make everything else so much easier for you. You know, it's interesting because I just read, um, I don't know where it was, one of my emails that I received about the six degrees of separation has now shrunk quite a bit. I think it's like three now. Right. Because of, you know, our, our reach is just incredible now. So it's, it's actually not that it sounds, I think, to some people, well, how am I going to connect with this person? How am I going to connect with that person? It's actually not that hard. Yeah, I think social media has really done a great job at like really narrowing that distance for a lot of people. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, on a personal front, my big break, if you will, and it wasn't necessarily a big break, but I realized these principles and I said, well, I wanted to escalate my level in, in the authority space. Um, and so I made a, an effort to reach out to some of the biggest names I knew who I know if I could do a good job for them, um, would kind of elevate my, my game, which it, which it did. But the way I was able to reach out to them was because social media platforms now allow, you know, some of these quote unquote untouchables to be far more accessible. Um, so yeah, really today, there's no excuse for you to think that you wouldn't be able to reach out to someone that you think that, uh, could help you and you could help them along the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. So after positioning yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Which was market. Which was the market. uh, (laughs) The next is magnet. Um, now we call it a magnet partially just because I wanted to keep with the M analogies, if you will. Um, but really and truly, we need to start attracting the right people into our marketplace. But even more than just attracting the right people like into our ecosystems, I think in today's day and age where uh, people are so tribal, and when I say tribal, I mean everybody wants to be a part of a tribe. They want to be a part of something. But what they don't realize is being a part of something also means you're kind of not a part of something else. 
So the beauty of a magnet, and to me, I'm only defining a magnet as a piece of content or something that you can give away in your marketplace that attracts your ideal prospect into your ecosystem. Okay. Now, the one side of that, and we can talk a little bit more about what magnets are and and what they might look like, but the one side of that and the importance of it is, A, you attract the right people. Because obviously, if you're going to spend time advertising and communicating and storytelling to a marketplace, you want to know that the people in front of you are actually qualified to do business with you. There's no point for you to try to, to, you know, sell a vegan diet to a guy who just eats meat all day. It's just not the right person. But simultaneously from the attraction, you also want an element of repelling. Like the more I could repel the wrong people from my ecosystem, the more that the right people feel like they're part of, you know, the more you build loyalty, the more you feel like the people are, are just really uh, glad to be a part of what, you, what it is that you're doing. So we use magnets to do that. And essentially, it's a fancy way of saying, how can we build platforms? Whether those platforms are blog followers or YouTube subscribers or email lists. I'm a big fan of the email list. Um, how do we build that? Well, essentially, we have a great piece, a small bite-sized piece of really great epic content that's really transformative in nature. And we give that away in exchange for being a part of our platform. So we can give it away in exchange for a name and an email address. We can give it away in exchange for being a blog follower or a subscriber or whatever type of platform you're trying to build. Again, I'm going to try and encourage people to build email lists, but whatever it is, it's giving something away in exchange for someone to be a part of your platform. And so we always think through, well, what are the best magnets that you could give away in order to do that. Now, magnets can take the form of videos or they could take the form of PDFs. They could take the form of books. I mean, can, they can literally take the form of anything. And we feel that there's certain magnets better than others. But ideally, you want to look out into your marketplace now. And it's really the magnet is a bridge of your message and your market coming together. It's I identify my market. I know who they are. I know their pain points. I understand things that they're going through. Now, what small piece of my message can I pull out and can I give to that portion of the market that's really going to say, well, this is fantastic. I really love this. It's going to move the needle in their life or their business or whatever accomplishment they're trying to do. And they're going to, and the magnet is essentially going to do one of a couple things. One, it's going to build loyalty. Number two, it's going to help them build progress. And the more progress that someone can get towards a particular goal and associate that progress to you, the better off you're going to be. Um, the more it gets your content out into the marketplace and the more it establishes you as an authority. So there's really a whole ton of benefits that come with having a good magnet that you can start throwing out into the marketplace, if all that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely does. I hope everyone's thinking about their magnets right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and just to kind of make it really granular, um, a great example of this is I was uh, talking to a mutual friend of ours um, who who's kind of in the HR training and hiring business. So he helps companies, helps their HR departments train, sorry, not train, but hire like the right candidates for their job. Right. Um, so he was thinking, you know, what is a great magnet that I could put out to get these HR folks in my ecosystem? And for the longest time, he had an ebook. And he said, Nick, what do you think about my ebook? And I said, an ebook's great, but Really, when was the last time you downloaded and read an ebook? And he said, well, actually never. And yeah. so I turned around and said, well, why do you think your prospects are then going to download and read yours? Right. Let's make it very simple and practical. 
Um, let's go through everything you've got and let's think about, well, what are the major concerns that an HR person has? Well, he said, their major concern is wasting time and money with a bad hire. I said, well, fantastic. If I was that HR person, what would you tell me right now that I could deploy an hour from now that could help me alleviate that problem? Well, he said, I have a list of 100 questions that I ask in every interview that ensures that I'm getting the right prospect. Well, I said, you know what? 100 is a little too much. I'd, I'd be overwhelmed with 100. Can you pick your three best? And he said, yeah, definitely I could do that. So long story short, his new magnet or one of his new magnets is literally the three top questions that every HR person has to ask their interviewee in order to save tons of times and money on bad hires. And now you have something that has uber high appeal to that person who's trying to solve this problem. But at the same time, you have something that someone consume very quickly that they can apply into their life or their business right away and actually get a result that they're now going to associate with the person who gave them that content. So it's kind of a a beautiful scenario of this being played out just recently. Oh, that is a great example. Yeah. So how how far are we here? We we did the three, right? Now we got mechanism. (laughs) So mechanism to me is now what is the path and the structure and the elements that we need to put in place that ties the whole thing together. Now, part of it is using a platform that allows you to get your message in front of your audience. And for us, that would be the Facebook advertising platform. But for somebody else, it could be something else. And now it's where we start thinking about, you know, what's known in our industry as sales funnels. It's a conversion processes. It's how do we take a prospect and rather than going from cold to sold, which rarely happens on Facebook, how do you take them from cold to warm, warm to hot, hot to sold? Um, And part of that is, you know, understanding how to write a good ad. So now we're finally getting to the ads portion. It's how do we do a proper bidding on Facebook? It's how do we, what is the order of content that we want to release to somebody that will get them into a buying mode quicker and faster? But how do we do that without coming across as a sleazy salesman? These are all questions that we ask when it comes to mechanism. And again, um, part of that is Facebook related. And then part of that is just understanding buying psychology and, and how do you take someone through a process to take them from prospect to customer or client? Yeah, a lot of people will say, I'm not even going to waste my time on the cold prospect. What's the point? <laughs> right, right. You know, part of me actually it, uh, agrees. It's like, if you're, and, and going back to like general mistakes that I see most people make on Facebook, that would probably be one of them. It's this idea of like, let's go after a cold prospect and try to sell them something right away. Now, I I don't know what planet you live on, but most people don't wake up in the morning with a credit card in hand coming on Facebook and saying, gee, I really wonder what I could buy today on Facebook. I mean, it's not going to happen. So you have to be in the mindset of rather than how can I sell someone something, you know, as fast as humanly possible to a cold audience, it's let me introduce my stuff to a cold audience with the goal of making them warm or with the goal of warming them up to me and my solutions. And then when the time is right, then we can make an offer that obviously makes much more congruent sense than trying to sell someone, you know, something cold right off the bat. So what are the type of clients that you're looking for to implement into this process? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, if we had an ideal world and everything was perfect and, and just kind of in, in reference so people are, know where I'm coming from, like we really have two sides of our business. The one side is the complete, we call it our, our private black label clients. 
And this is the fully managed, done-for-you kind of uh, implementation part of our business. So a client will come to us and we'll basically uh, deploy their entire marketing system for them. Now, the ideal client for someone who fits into that category is typically someone who, who has an established business. They're already making money. They already have a sales process in place that is working. And they're just looking for ways to reach more of their audience in a faster and more cost-effective way. They're not kind of in the idea phase and they're not trying to figure things out. They literally have a, a great business and they're just looking to explode it. Uh, a great example of that would be like uh, the division of the Tony Robbins group that we work with. They have a great process in place. They know who they're trying to reach. They just wanted to reach more of them faster in a cost-effective way using the Facebook platform. So we were able to meet that need for them. Um, so that's kind of like the, the black label, fully managed, done for you side of things. Well, the other side of things is more the consulting arm. And these are, are probably people, again, who have an established business and they, they know where they're going. Maybe they haven't deployed fully, you know, a fully functioning online marketing system in the past. And so they're looking for help on how to do that. In which case, we move a little bit more into a consulting role. And we do this in one of three ways. We have a one and a half day full consultation where I fly out to them and I meet with them and I kind of build out this stuff uh, with them and their team on the spot. Uh, we also have two-day implementation intensives where we bring a small group of people together between 12 and 15 business owners. And right there over two days, we build out all of their assets right there on the spot. So rather than being kind of a, a training scenario, if you will, this is an implementation scenario. And we literally build the four M's for them right then and there. So by the time they leave, it's all done and they just hit the green go button. Great. Yeah. And then we kind of have uh, the third arm, which is just kind of like an ongoing coaching consulting program for those who just need the ongoing support. And again, uh, different people, different kind of different colors for different people. But uh, essentially, if you have a message or a product that needs to reach more of your ideal people, we can figure out some sort of a way to work with you. Okay. So now that all of this is in play and, and for example, those, those 15 business owners walk away and they're going to implement this now, they're going to press go. Mm -hmm. But a key part to this is, is knowing how it's working. What metrics should they be measuring? That's a great question. And I believe there's two ways to answer this. I believe there's essential metrics, which are core and what not everyone kind of pays attention to. Then there's like non-essential metrics, but important. And then there's just complete like waste of time metrics that I don't know why some people like kind of watch this stuff, but it, it just kind of makes them feel better and they pat themselves on the back. What are those? We should know what those are because there's some people going, oh, that might be me. <laughs> yeah. So, so to me, the only real metric that matters, and it's the reason why we are all in business and it's really what business is all about, is ROI or more specifically return on ad spend in my case. Okay. So it's how many dollars are going into the system and how many dollars out is it producing? And as long as if $1 goes in and more than $1 comes out, you're in a good place. Okay. Now, I know that seems like very basic, you know, 101 level type business, but you'd be surprised. I consult with some really, really high level companies and I ask them, well, how much did you spend on marketing this year? And they said, well, we spend, you know, 10 million bucks on commercials and radio and print. I'm like, great. Of that 10 million, can you tell me exactly what each of those dollars resulted in? <laughs> and they say, well, no, we have no clue. I said, well, what do you mean? So you're spending the money, but you really have no means of tracking whether or not that's actually producing a return for you. And I say, yeah, well, no. I mean, I just figured marketing is all about we're given a budget and we spend the budget and hopefully 
we get a little quote unquote brand awareness and people pay attention and those things aren't measurable. And so I kind of cringe. So at the end of the day, as a business owner, dollars out versus dollars in is kind of the most important thing we're watching for, especially if we're going to be paying for traffic or advertising or marketing. Right. So to me, that's the number one key essential metric. Okay. Some of the other essential metrics, kind of like, uh, sorry, non-essential but important include like, what is the cost per lead you're spending? So if you're doing a lead generation campaign, uh, you want to know if a life, you know, what is the lifetime value of my lead and how much am I spending to generate that lead? Uh, because at the end of the day, marketing is nothing more than a metrics and a math game. If I know that the lifetime value of a lead is worth $20 to me, but I'm spending only $10 to get that lead, then I'm going to be a happy camper all day long. I don't have to fidget around with the metrics or get all like fancy with my marketing. I just know $20 lead value. I'm getting it for $10. How much can I do this for and how long will it last? Right. Um, so we got to watch like cost per leads and that sort of thing. Maybe some other things you want to look out for. And this might be over some people's head if they don't, if they're not like engaged in the, in the, in the Facebook platform, but things like maybe like click through rates, you know, that just tells us how interesting is your ad and how many people of those who see it are actually clicking it, which gives you a good indication whether or not you have a good ad. There's also stuff like frequency. So that's an important thing. You definitely, frequency is essentially how many times someone sees an ad. And if your frequency goes up too much, and I'm sure you're experienced this summer as much as I have, when you see an ad too many times, yeah. you might have been interested the first time, but now you're getting a little annoyed. Yes. So you want to watch that number because if it goes kind of over two and a half, you're going to start to piss some people off. And that's definitely not what you want to do. Okay. So you have those kind, of, uh, those kind of metrics. And then on the bottom end of the totem pole, like vanity metrics that really don't matter, that would be stuff like how many people are liking my ad. Or how many fan page followers do I have on my Facebook profile? Like all of that really has zero bearing on anything, but it does, it sure makes you feel no, better when you know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that more people like your page, you kind of feel a little bit better, and you sleep better at night, and you realize that the world doesn't hate you. But besides a little bit of like personal reassurance and self esteem, uh, those metrics really don't carry any weight in the grander scheme of marketing. <laughs> so. You've got a couple of things, few things going on. You've got the Accelerator Alliance, yeah, the Rapid Scaling Matrix, which I mm-hmm. want to let people know what what both of those are about. And then you have um, some quarterly events that that you uh, put together every quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so between what you mentioned there, really, the Rapid Scaling Matrix is more my kind of philosophy or psychology around how to approach Facebook ads. Because again, I cringe when I hear people say, well, I'm just going to get exposure on Facebook and buy some ads and show it to some people. Like it's so much more than that. Yeah. So so the the rapid kind of scaling matrix, if you will, our secret sauce is, is kind of this idea that, and we've alluded to it already, but it's that, you know, Facebook ads and marketing are much more than just the ads themselves. So it's comprised of three main core functions. And I, I liken it to that of a, a fancy luxury sports car. So, you know, the first part of the first third is what we call preeminent positioning. And that's, again, talking back to what is the kind of uh, position that you hold in the marketplace. I believe that all marketing really is, is demand generation. And the more demand that you can generate based on your position in the marketplace, the better off you are. So if we're going to use the car analogy, 
uh, and let's use a Ferrari for that example, that would be the body of the car. Okay. It looks sexy. It's really nice. It catches the eye. Really, it doesn't have anything to do with the performance of it or, any, or, or anything like that. But it's more of a vanity appeal, but it does carry a lot of weight as to whether or not you want the car or not. The second part of the rapid scaling matrix is what we call the Ascension Accelerator. And again, this is the idea that just because you have a great product and you show it to somebody (laughs) doesn't mean anything. You need to know how to take someone who's cold, bring them into your ecosystem, warm them up, and put them through a process that essentially eventually leads to a sale. If we're using the car analogy again there, that would be, you know, the engine. So this is kind of like what makes everything move. This is kind of the, the, the higher performing engine you have, the more you can accomplish. The more it's broken down, the more people are going to fall out of your sales process, if you will. Yes. Uh, and the third part is what we call the micro market maximizer. I know just fancy terms, but this is really just the realization that Mass marketing, I believe that we've, our society or the marketplace has moved from this idea of mass marketing into this idea of micro marketing. It's the idea that it's not just getting your message exposed to as many people as humanly possible. It's getting your message exposed to the very right type of person. Now, if we're going to go back to the car analogy, the market or the micro market maximizer is really the fuel of the car. It's what goes in the engine and allows it to perform. It's what allows the car to move at the speed that we want it to to move at. So the more we could get clear about who we're trying to reach and make sure our messages kind of hit them right on, the better off we are. So that's kind of the rapid scaling matrix. But uh, with regards to our alliance and our intensives, our alliance is our, it's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit biased, so forgive me for this, but I believe it's the best one-on-one lead generation consulting program on the planet. This is anybody's only opportunity to work with me on a one-to-one level without being a private black level label client and without covering kind of the massive black label client bills that these clients pay. But this is an opportunity to work with me one-on-one where essentially we there's various elements to that, but the core of it is you get to get on a call with me once a month we literally look at your campaigns. It's not about teaching or coaching or training. It's all about implementation. So I would actually set up campaigns, design magnets, create markets, build your authority ladder, all of that kind of stuff. I would do that with you on the call once a month and then show you exactly what I would do if I were running this campaign. The only difference is I build it for you or I build it with you more specifically. And then I kind of hand it off to you and say, okay, for the next three weeks until our next call, this is what you need to implement and execute on. I kind of take you by the hand. and It's kind of a done with you sort of thing. Now included in that is kind of our back office where you get all of our training. I call it our Netflix account where you can literally just come in, watch whatever training you want on demand as it meets your need. And then there's some elements of meeting up four times a year in a live mastermind group and you get access to a Facebook group for with other Alliance members and uh, just kind of a beautiful, again, really, really high level consulting program that someone can work with me one-on-one and also collaborate with some of the other Alliance members. Our intensives are quarterly events. And again, this is my like kickback into the marketplace because, you know, I've, I used to be a seminar junkie or like an event junkie where I just like go to an event, I'd sit there for two days and I, the content was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But essentially I would leave those two days with a notebook full of notes and a huge to-do list. Most of the time, 
which gets pushed off and nev- never gets done. <laughs> right. And then you go back to the next event. You're like, wow, that was great. And oh my God, I got all this work to do. So like my intensives were kind of a kickback to that. And it said, you know what? Never do I want someone to leave an event that I host with any work to do. I want them to leave that event with all of the work done, or at least most of it. So I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but essentially we bring a small group of people, 12 to 15 business owners inside a room. I lock that room and you're with me for two straight days, eight hours a day, and we build your 4M assets right there on the spot. We upload them to your ads account, and then we hit the go button. And really, well, my guarantee is that we take you at least 80% of the way there, maybe 90, maybe 100, and all you got to do from there is, again, hit the go button, manage the campaigns yourself, and then you're off to the races. So that is that- beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of results that we've been hearing from people who've participated in that, uh, have been absolutely amazing. It is very small and intimate purposely. Like I'm literally over your shoulder. I'm writing some ad copy with you. We're in a small group environment. So it's proven to be a very kind of beneficial element to, to what we do. And what kind of businesses? I mean, is, is it industry specific? Uh, that's a great question. Um, we've had everything from people who sold like, Beard oil for men who have beards. Okay. Um, to, you know, GKIC's info marketer of the year was at our last event. The longest reigning info marketer of the year, uh, was at that event. We had one lady who, uh, teaches people how to do face yoga. Like I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she teaches people how to do face yoga. We have coaches and consultants. We had one person who had a furniture business. So I mean, it's really all over the board. Again, at the end of the day, uh, the the question is, do you have a proven sales process and can you benefit from generating more leads online? If right. the answer is a clear resounding yes, then it's something that you could definitely benefit from. If it's not a clear resounding yes, then maybe it's not a good fit. And it is at your website, nicholaskuzmich.com that they can go to to get information on those intensives? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really nicholaskuzmich.com forward slash intensive. Okay. It shows you when the next date is. And, you know, we're always updating that, obviously, because they happen every quarter. Uh, admittingly, because of the nature of the event, they do sell out every single time we, we run them. We're fortunate that way. And because I believe like the success of any event is, you know, contingent upon the people in the room. So there is an application process, but you just read the page. Uh, if it seems like it's speaking to you and it's something that someone wants to be a part of, you can fill out the application and then I or one of my team will get back to you. We'll have a quick discussion and see if we are a good fit. And if you are, I can promise it might be one of the most you know beneficial two days you spend working on your business. Awesome. And how soon ahead should they be? Should they be looking at this? How many, how far out are you booking? Well, they all come and go. So we just finished one depending on the time of this, this conversation airing. Um, but again, they, they sell out quite quickly and they happen every quarter. So I would say if this is something you're interested in, apply right away. Okay. Um, and then we can make sure that we lock a spot in for you if, uh, if it works out. Great. Before that, you were so kind to offer a free 40 minute training to our listeners. Yeah. So he, he, here's the, the reality. I, I mean, uh, I'm busy just like you are. Um, and I don't really do too much like public training. Um, most people will hire me to to teach at their high-level mastermind groups or something like that, pay me a lot of money because their people have paid a lot of money to be there. And I come in and I kind of train behind closed doors, if you will. Yeah. Usually one or two day workshops where I kind of unveil my highest level stuff. Well, what I decided to do was like, 
I took my one two-day workshops that I teach at really high-level masterminds, and I condensed it down to the, like, the best Coles Notes, highest-level Reader's Digest 40 minutes of it. It's kind of the top highlights of the whole thing where I teach it very specifically. Um, and I've broken it down into a 40-minute training that I make available kind of to the general public. Okay. Um, so I call it my Behind Closed Doors workshop because essentially that's exactly what it is. And if people are interested in getting that, it's absolutely free. You just fill out your name and your email, tell me where to send it, and I'll send it to you. And you can find that at Nick's blog, N-I-C-S-B-L-O-G.com backslash secret, because it is a secret, kind of. <laughs> and then, yeah, you can just kind of uh, get that absolutely free and, and see some of that training. Awesome. So much good stuff. Nice. Love it. One question that I love to ask my okay. guests. <laughs> okay. What's your morning routine like? Ah, okay. So here's here's where I might buck the system a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, I I you know I just I don't have a morning routine. Like I tried forever. Um, I tried getting up, and the first thing I do is exercise. Or I try like cutting down and having my bulletproof coffee and like reading the paper. And then I tried like a meditation and like I just you know I thrive, and maybe this is just how my my brain is wired. I kind of thrive on spontaneity. So even when I wake up in the morning, I don't even actually have a to-do list. Now, I, I have an idea of what I need to accomplish today. So don't get me wrong. I'm not just like free-floating or whatever. I have an idea of what I need to accomplish today, but I'm, I really literally go by the moment. So my morning routine is like literally wake up and see how I feel. If I, if I feel up for it, I'll go to the backyard. I'll, I'll with, you know, in bare feet and I'll ground on the grass or I'll do a, I was just introduced to this this routine called like salute to the sun or something like that. Sun salutations? Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, my so, mom, I was raised doing that. My mom teaches that or taught no that. Way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, my osteopath like told me, hey, you should do this sort of thing. I'm like, I have no idea what that is and it sounds really cool. So let's give it a, give it a try. So like, you know, if I'm feeling up for it, I'll do that. If I feel like a bulletproof coffee, I'll drink it. If I don't, I'll fast. If I, you know, want a green smoothie, I'll drink that. So like literally... Every morning is different. I do my best to kind of just live in the moment of what's presenting itself to me right then and there um, and just kind of go with like a little bit of intuition, a little bit of gut, a little bit of, you know, what the need is. Um, and so every, I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I wake up whenever, you know, my body tells me it's time to wake up and we just kind of go with the flow. So uh, no so actual cool. morning routine for me. I apologize. I think that's so great because it kind of takes pressure. It takes pressure off of yourself because there's so many people that, and, and maybe for them, it's just a very natural thing to do the same thing each morning. And I've, I've found myself similar to, to you is that there's times where I go through phases where it's like, okay, this is my morning routine. And then there's time where there's just shifts in, in life, you know, you're traveling mm -hmm. or something's going on and you just can't, you can't get to all those things. And a lot of times the more, the more information that you're receiving, the more it adds on to the routine. <laughs> Right, right. Like, just like two hour routine. <laughs> but um, no, I love that. You're just, you're simply listening to your body and yeah. what it needs. Well, I'm trying for sure. I'm doing my best and it doesn't always work, but it, I just find that it, it, it works out a little bit better for me. I don't do so well in like regimented routines by any means. And you have no guilt if you don't get to it. <laughs> right, right. Yes, exactly. That's really great. I love that. Well, I've seen you on stage. I've gotten to work with you. You're just incredible all over. Everybody loves you. And what you offer to people is just so, so valuable and so important because I think there's so many brilliant entrepreneurs and business owners out there that 
they're so good at what they do. And this is like, this is a hard thing for a lot of people. It's easy for you. It's something that you understand and get, but for a lot of people, it's over their head, you know, and it's not because they're not smart. They're just so brilliant and genius in what they're doing. So it's a critical piece to their business, especially today. Right. If they're not doing it, they're missing out on a lot. I agree. And that's why I think we just, it's, it's why we do what we do. I mean, I I wish I could say that I, uh, you know, I have this amazing charitable business and I'm like contributing to the betterment of humanity. I, I don't know if that's the case, but what I do know is that, like you said, there are a ton of entrepreneurs out there who have a message that needs to be heard. And if I could play a small role in getting that message out to more of the people, um, I, I feel like I had a great day then. And that is exactly what you're doing. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I will make sure that all of those links are posts on the blog and on the podcast page. And you are awesome, Nicholas. Thank you so much. I I so appreciate your time, Summer. Thank you so much for not only doing this, but being you. I totally benefit from our relationship. Thank you, as do I. Awesome. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.